Welcome to a special expert mini-series for Center State CEO's podcast, Talk CNY, presented by NBC Bank. In this series, we'll feature experts from across central New York and beyond to dig into our membership's most requested topics. You'll also hear stories of successful collaborations between a few of our longstanding members and Center State CEO that could inspire your next big move. Take a moment right now to subscribe in your listening app for reminders every other Wednesday for our main podcast series. And be sure to catch the rest of the expert mini-series as well. Today, we are joined by Center State CEO member Gwen Weber-McLeod, President and CEO for Gwen Inc. Gwen has more than 30 years of leadership development experience. As a leadership coach, mentor, strategic planner, and diversity and inclusion consultant, Gwen is a highly sought-after keynote speaker and a go-to resource for leaders and organizations throughout the country. I'm Andrew Fish, Senior Vice President of Member and Business Experience at Center State CEO. I'm Kate Hammer, business coach and member at Center State CEO. We are your hosts for Talk CNY. Gwen, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about all the wonderful insights you have around leadership. Mm -hmm. But to start, tell us a little bit about Gwen Inc. and yourself. One of my favorite subjects. So (laughs) I am Gwen Weber McLeod, and I'm the president and CEO of a private sector leadership development corporation that's incorporated in my name. So my company's name is Gwen Inc. And we exist to help primarily mid-executive level leaders achieve their business goals by focusing on the personal leadership competencies Mm -hmm. of confidence, competence, courage, and calm. And the reason we do that is because there's a core philosophy in our company that everything, and we mean everything, rises and falls on your individual or team leadership. So that's what we do every single day. Work with leaders as consultants, executive coaches, technical assistants, professional facilitators to really help them reflect deeply on how how they show up is either helping or hindering their company's ability to achieve their business goals. It's awesome. I, I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll second that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we've known each other a long time. And I remember distinctly the first time I heard you talk about confidence, competence, courage, and calm. Mm-hmm. And it's catchy. Yes. It's it's intentional. Right. And it resonates really well with yeah. me. Can you can you dive into that a little bit yeah, more? Yeah, I would really love to because I think often when people hear those words, they experience them as a set of attributes or qualities. And in my company, mm. we position them as a set of leadership skills mm. that we must actively and intentionally develop. And, and the fundamental reason for that is because what we're observing at Gwen Inc. is that there is a direct connection between the relationship, between the highest level leaders in a company or organization and the company's capacity to successfully achieve its business outcomes. And so what we're observing in highly skilled leaders is not only are they technically astute at whatever industry they're in, they have this set of personal competencies that they literally work on and build a school of skills, right? The the competency of being confident, confident in themselves, confident in the mission, confident in the team. Mm. You have to work at that. It doesn't, we don't do that naturally. Mm. When we're talking about competence, it's not only being technically competent, but understanding the set of competencies that ensure that you are building high trust relationships that will yield Mm. high performance. When we're talking about courage, you know, we're all living in really dicey times. Everything's really slippery. So we're observing leaders (laughs) developing the competency of speaking courageously about tough business issues, uh, speaking courageously when we need to challenge the status quo, speaking courageously to that employee who's underperforming. Mm -hmm. So that kind of courage. And then when we talk about calm, we believe that there is a direct connection between the condition of the leader's spirit 
-hmm. and the condition of the company or the organization. And so we are very much so proponents of leaders embedding a value for calmness and self-care into everything they do to achieve business goals and for them to be role models about that because our employees hear what we say, but they only believe what we see, they see us do, right? So right. if I'm walking around saying, well, I want you to be calm and I'm watching you work 2000 hours a week, it's not setting up the right thing. And frankly, calmness is a skill set that most of our clients really struggle developing. It's a skill yeah. you have hmm. to develop. Yeah. So when you're meeting with a client, mm -hmm. what do you notice right away where you realize, okay, here's this area where we're going to need to mm -hmm. focus first, or right. what are the types of things you're looking for? Well, you know, what's really interesting. Often when people call us, they'll say, Gwen, well, we're really calling you because we're having communication issues, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and in my world, I think communication issues are a symptom of something mm -hmm. else. Yes. And often <laughs> when we go into the company, we will hear that and we've become very skilled at querying a leader about what could be underneath that yeah. because it's hard to consider that it might be you, right. right? And so we know how to ask certain questions to help them say, well, what does that look like? What are you noticing when the team's having trouble communicating? Are there dynamics going on? Mm -hmm. And by us doing that and really attaching it to business outcomes gives people the courage to say, you know what? What I really think is going on is that maybe my communication style isn't resonating with my CFOs, or I have these two people on my team that are constantly colliding and I haven't figured out how to manage that communication because mm -hmm. when they're acting like that, it's disrupting productivity. Yeah. So often what we notice is that people will talk to us about the symptom. But to be honest with you, whenever we're in a company, that's, because I only do this to help people achieve business goals, right? So I'm always curious about like, how's the company performing? When there's a challenge, we can track it back to issues of leadership. Hmm. Every single time we can track it back to a team. We can track it back to a leadership competency that's not at mm -hmm. play. We can track it back to expectations weren't being set. There's not enough trust to drive yeah. the outcome, poor change management. And so that's why we're really supporting people in this notion that everything rises and falls on you because a lot of people don't think that. They really think that if I just show up, they're not awake about that, right? So they yeah. go to work. They're just not picking up on how they're playing in Peoria and I'm of the opinion that that's where the rubber meets the road. You know, it's mm -hmm. fascinating. Mm -hmm. The comment about everything rises and falls right. on them. Yeah. Leadership is lonely, right? It sure is. And so, <laughs> you know, I think about I think about how important it mm -hmm. is to bring someone like yourself yeah. in for those conversations right. because you can't have that with your reports. Exactly. Right. And, exactly. And, and frankly, your reports half the time aren't going to give you mm -hmm. the straight that's answer, absolutely right? True. Yeah. And this is something that companies need to invest in. I would agree. You know, our company tagline is because leadership isn't a job to do alone because we are all hoodwinked and bamboozled into thinking yeah. that leadership is a job to do alone, which is kind of why I like mid-level managers, right? Because when I work with them, because we're usually putting them in those positions because it's our intent to eventually develop them into our executive leader pipelines. But a lot of times what happens to mid-level managers is we promote them and then if I'm working with them and then ask the question, why do you think you were promoted to a position that requires you to lead? What they often say back to me is, you know what, Gwen, in that interview, no one ever asked me if I could lead. And what I yeah. really demonstrated in the interview is that I have the technical ability to drive this, these tasks. And now I supervise mm -hmm. two or more people. 
And they're expecting me to get them through change. They're expecting me to understand communication. And so I think the thing about this whole idea is that the sooner, if you, if you're, if you're, promoting the highest potential mid-level managers, Mm -hmm. promoting those people into those positions. I often suggest that they either be given up an internal mentor or an executive coach at that point so that they can start to define for themselves what leadership is. And start to understand that there is power in that it's their responsibility, that Mm -hmm. it comes back to them. When you say that these issues arise, you can trace it back to leadership. Right. Well, if you identify that, then there's something you can do about it. Yeah. Well, what's really interesting to me is that a lot of people at our work not really being who they want to be. And so when we go down the path of, well, what would really happen for this team Mm -hmm. and these business outcomes if you literally just became your authentic self and then applied your skills? Because we don't invite people to think about that, I think we're all raised with what stereotypes about what leadership looks like Mm -hmm. and what behaviors you demonstrate when you're doing it. And I find when you can get a mid-level manager at the beginning of their journey to executive leadership to explore that, they want to understand that everything rises and falls on them. So then they're more willing to do that work, right? Mm -hmm. I better be aware of my communication style. I really need to think about how people respond to me. I need to develop these competencies Mm -hmm. that are going to help me be an effective leader and keep this team glued together enough to do the work. (laughs) And so I think that's where we often miss a beat. I'm a strong proponent of if you've got a high potential mid-level manager, the minute you promote them, give them a mentor or an executive coach for the first 90 days of their work. I really like that suggestion. I think Mm -hmm. that is something that everyone Mm -hmm. should take and run with. Outside of bringing in someone like yourself, what what should they look for in terms of that mentor? How, mm-hmm. how should they think about going uh, about uh, finding the right person for them? Yeah. Is it within the organization it was mm-hmm. without? Does it depend? Yeah, you know, I think that's interesting. One of the things that I think companies have to do to front end the identification of a mentor is to have spent some time thinking about literally what are the philosophy, skills and behaviors of the most successful managers in our company Mm -hmm. and then find that mentor, right? That person who is literally consistently driving business outcomes. When I connect with that kind of person, they've understood somewhere along the line that it truly is a combination of who I am and me being able to set the environment and communicate this technical business outcome that we need to drive. So I would say first and foremost, Andrew, the company needs to really be thinking about what are the philosophies? What does leadership look like in our right. business? And what does successful leadership look like in our mm. business? And then as you're onboarding new managers, identify people in your company that are literally living in that vision and make them the mentor. And it has to be, I think when companies do this, they have to be willing to create a safe, confidential space for this manager because this is true for the CEOs I work with. You know, we all are dealing with stuff that we gaslight ourselves all the time, right? (laughs) And so you need to have that person that will give you feedback like, no, you're not crazy, but maybe the environment is, right? right? Or you're maybe, what? why are you saying that to Mm -hmm. yourself when there's evidence that you're being successful every day? And so Mm -hmm. I think that mentorship has to really be aligned with, with, embodied by a person who's truly living the mission, vision, values, demonstrating the capacity to achieve the company's goals and demonstrating the capacity to get people to trust them enough to follow them into all of the decisions and changes they have to drive. 
when you find that person, that's the person that I would recommend be the mentor. That's fantastic advice. I guess yeah. the only follow on question I would have for that <laughs> right. is like, probably shouldn't be that person's direct supervisor though, right? I say often not yeah. because, but I do think that supervisors need to learn how to coach a little bit. For sure. But I don't think it should be that person's direct supervisor because there's a different thing. There's a difference between what your manager does mm -hmm. and what your mentor does. Right. And you want to keep that space between the two because the mentor can get really valuable input and feedback about how mentoring is helping the mentee by how the manager is experiencing right. that employee yeah. as a result of having a mentor. You want to keep that space. And the, the mentee needs to be able to feel to say, be able to say to the mentor things that they might not say to their manager. Yeah. Right. A safe space. Yeah, it's got to be a safe space. So what is the difference between a manager and a mm -hmm. mentor? Mm -hmm. What are some of those clear differentiating factors? Yeah. So when I think of a manager, mm -hmm. I think of a manager as someone who is literally charged to inform you, educate you, prepare you mm -hmm. to do the work that you have technically been hired to do. And mm -hmm. I would say to managers that that includes setting up an environment that helps that person be a good teammate, sure. right? Yeah. A manager is monitoring your performance, reviewing your performance, evaluating your performance. Mm -hmm. A mentor is someone who really sits with a high potential employee and creates the opportunity in the space for them to ponder questions mm -hmm. and to be asked questions that will help them define what it means for them to be a good manager or if, if that that's the kind of person I'm thinking about, right? Or define what, what their strengths and weaknesses are and then help them find the support systems they need. So the mentor isn't someone who's evaluating or assessing their work. The mentor really becomes a process partner. Mm -hmm. um, I like that process Yeah, partner. it's a process partner, mm -hmm. someone that's going to ask you questions, someone that can help you find resources, someone that can even help you frame a conversation you want to have with your manager, but might be too afraid to do it. Mm -hmm. And so for the mentee, it really is a safe, respectful, confidential environment where they can start to develop themselves and define themselves in terms mm -hmm. of what being a mid-level leader or manager is to be. You get that nuance of difference? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and a lot of times mentors are someone else's manager, right? Mm -hmm. And what, what those kind of mentors say to me when I grow so much from having the experience with a mentee who isn't someone that I supervise because it causes me to self-reflect, mm -hmm. right? It yeah, causes me to think about, that. yeah, causes me to think about, you know, I got a dicey relationship with somebody. What could I be doing better? So yeah, it's exciting. You know, I hear you using a lot of terms that are general yes. businesses, organizations, right. and those right. things. This is really something that's universal. Absolutely. Like if you're a parent, these same strategies will work for you. Sure. Because I think we, I think of myself, we call our family Team Weber McLeod, and my husband and I jokingly call ourselves the co captains. Mm. And we believe and know that we are leading in a different environment with a different mission, vision, values, and goals. But everything I do in my company, I'm pretty much practicing as a mom and a grandma. And so we really are proponents of living one life when you're a leader. And you're right, they're universally applicable. Love it. High trust families have high performance of family goals and outcomes, yeah. right? So you get to take that skill set home. Yeah, you have to be awake about it though. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I encourage people to lead with strategic intent, right? Because really, often when we enter a company, people are either blowing around like wind socks. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't yeah. know what one to do. fire to they're the reacting yeah. to an environment yeah. right or they're just not awake 
I think most people are focused on the management part of their mm -hmm. job and not the leadership part of their job. That's true for CEOs a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I mean, the day-to-day -day mm -hmm. is harsh. Right. There are many fires to put out right. and it's easy to lose focus on that big picture. Yeah, and I think what we can do is help them remember that every single success they have is directly connected to a relationship that they have with someone inside or outside mm. the company. And when the company is facing a challenge, that every single one of those challenges is directly connected to the condition of a person mm -hmm. or a team in their company. And it's for that reason that you have to lift your head up, right? Because there are companies that are driving outcomes, but it's so hard for them to do it because the condition of the workforce isn't what I would define as health. Sure. Right. And so a lot of people were like, we're achieving our business goals. I'm like, yeah, let's walk around. How many meetings mm. did it take you to get to that outcome? Mm. Right. We talked about this for 20 months before we did it. I said, that's a symptom yeah. of something. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's us helping people <laughs> pick their head up off their desk and focus to that most critical thing. I truly believe relationships really matter. And I think they are the only thing that I feel strongly about that. I love I love that line, and, yeah. and you know it is a testament I think to the success that I've seen yeah. from firms that have engaged with you right. and that have have brought in this outside Thank perspective. You. And also, you know, from a personal perspective at Center State, we we love having you on our board of directors. Thank you. Thank you. I love uh, being the, here. the voice that you bring and the in insights that you have mm -hmm. in our boardroom are significant, and mm -hmm. also help us you know, really cultivate better relationships yeah. and think more strategically about what we're doing as an organization. Yeah, I, I am honored to be on this board and I'm at a place in my career where I call myself in the legacy building years of my career. So I'm sitting in your boardroom with strategic intent mm -hmm. and hoping that my presence, the courage I have to speak truth to power or discuss tough issues or offer a not so prominent point of view is really part of my legacy building. And I think that if we're going to have our butts in a seat somewhere, then we need to be conscious about why we would be there. And so I sit in your boardroom from strate with strategic intent. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Honored, actually. We're, we're, we're thrilled to have you for yeah, sure. Yeah, thanks. What would be something that we haven't covered that mm -hmm. you think is really important for, you know, mm -hmm. business owner, a right. leader in an organization, nonprofit, mm -hmm. you know, professional service, whatever, because as we said, it's universal. Yeah. What's something that you would really want someone to take away from this conversation? Well, a couple of things, just very high level, is to really contemplate the notion that everything literally rises and falls on you. Mm. Something else would be, and this is critical to contemplate because your employees hear what you say, but they only believe what they see you do. And it's that connection between word deed alignment that builds the, the kind of trust yeah. mm -hmm. between and among leaders, managers in the workforce yeah. that's absolutely required to thrive in this volatile environment of change. Connected to that, I would say that it's critical for leaders to really develop the skill of leading change. Because what we're really doing when we announce change is pushing people into what I call a grief loss cycle. Mm -hmm. In short, we're asking them to stop doing things they know how to do, love, do, feel competent doing, and asking them to start doing things they really don't want to do. Wow. So there's a whole body of work out there. I invite people to look at the work of John Cotter mm -hmm. because he provides a framework for mm -hmm. leaders to follow when they're thinking about planning the change before they announce it. The other thing is I would say to focus on embedding self-care as a resource and a value mm -hmm. 
into the work of the company. Tired, exhausted people make tired, exhausted decisions and tired and exhausted <laughs> leaders can't effectively pour into a workforce and keep that workforce productive. And then the last thing is something we were talking about beforehand is I'm inviting all of my clients to ponder this question. What is the future calling you to do? Mm. And I think it's so critical to be thinking about that as you're building out a strategic framework, because every company I'm in, and I work across industries, mm -hmm. is having the exact set of challenges and trying to solve those challenges by leaning on strategies that worked 25 right. years ago. And so when you really pause mm -hmm. and say, look at your environment, look at your trend data and ask yourself that question, what is the future calling this company to do? What is this? What is the future calling me to do as a leader? It creates an opportunity for you to be forward thinking. And the direct connection to that for me is I'm inviting people to really with intent, put their leadership legacy in action right now. Mm -hmm. So when I'm future oriented about that, I will think differently, sure. right? About high potential emerging people in my company. And I will engage them as my mentors to talk to me about, well, what do you think the future is calling us to do? Because they don't think. I'm 67. My 20 and 30 year old mentors, that's what I, they are. They're what young women have met to me are having different thoughts right. about what work will be like, what leadership's going to be like. And so if we really just sit and think about that, yeah. what is the future calling our company or organization to do? You will get valuable information that will help you be a better leader position the leaders in the team and your company to drive your business outcomes. And I think you'll get better both qualitative and quantitative results. Yeah. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah, that's exciting. Building that time into your actual calendar right. to do that. Well, I would offer when people say to me, Gwen, that takes too much time. I'm like, mm. let's really count. Let's right. count the impact right. of you not stopping for four to six hours to have critical strategic business conversations. Mm -hmm. And that's what I ask people, like there's evidence all over your company of what's happening because you're not pausing to have specific business conversations. And what is the future calling us to do? It's just one of those business conversations. There's a, probably about five more I think people should be having. When I say blowing around like a windsock, that's what I'm talking <laughs> about, right? right? Because, <laughs> because I think it gets right down to we're doing work. Right. We're all doing work, but are we doing the right work right. in the right way mm -hmm. that's driving the right business outcome? So when your budget's doing something weird, that's symptomatic. Right. Yeah. When people are cranky, that's symptomatic. Mm -hmm. And I'm just proposing that it's because we won't take two hours, four hours of retreat to really identify mm -hmm. what our most pressing business issues are. And then, frankly, how are we going to lead our way out? of that? Yeah. And it's partially technical. It's primarily about relationships. So I hope that inspires someone. <laughs> it's landing with me in a way right yeah. now that I maybe hopefully isn't showing too much on my yeah, face, but, no, but uh, I, yeah. extremely helpful. I think that's the most critical work. Yeah. And that whole idea, like what's the future calling you to do? Because you'll be pleasantly surprised that some of your Hallmark services and programs are absolutely going to help you get there. Mm -hmm. But when you pay attention to what's going on around you, you're going to discover that there's opportunities to create new ways of being as a leader and as the way you operate, the operations of a company and organization that will help you thrive into the future. And isn't that the legacy of leadership right. we all want? Yeah. You know, what do you want the fourth or fifth generation of center state employees, Andrew, to think about you? Wow. Right. Because your name's going to be floating around. Mm -hmm. I just posed that to my clients yesterday. What do you want them to think? And I think if we don't stop and think about that, 
then what we do is put companies in this hamster wheel of trying to do the same, do work the same way and an environment yeah. that it does not fit. Yeah. And that's a primary issue that I'm working on in the organization development side of my company. Hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Gwen, I wish we had more time because mm-hmm. the insights are exceptional. Mm-hmm. And as I just said, I'm I'm going to be walking out of here thinking a little bit differently about even yeah. stuff that happened this week for me. So yeah, <laughs> thank yeah. you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here with you. And I'm thrilled that you're doing this for people that are busy working and leading because they can click a button and get something that will inspire them to do yeah. something differently. And that's always my hope when I share information is that someone gets inspired to a new level of leadership. So mission accomplished. Thank you. <laughs> Thank yes, you for having love me. That. Thank you. Center State CEO's podcast, Talk CNY, is presented by NBT Bank. You can find all the expert miniseries episodes on clickcny.com and all major podcast platforms. On Click, you can join a discussion about this episode and find additional resources on this topic. Click is Center State CEO's interactive digital chamber platform where our members connect, learn, and receive support from our staff. For new episode reminders of our main series, Talk CNY, be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast listening app. If you're enjoying Talk CNY, consider leaving a quick review or a five-star rating. 